Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Welcome back to the Collective Scope Podcast. This is Jeff, and my partner in crime, Rob Foltz, is on an airplane headed to San Diego, California, somewhere over there where it's warm and sunny all the time. So I will take full responsibility for anything that happens today. Um, we've got a great guest with us and a new friend we met at Passion, Sadie Robertson. You may know Sadie from her time on the Duck Dynasty. Um, she was also runner-up in ABC's Dancing with the Stars. But more importantly, she's an author, a speaker, um, and really making an impact on young lives and young adults' lives through that ministry. Um, so welcome to the show, Sadie. Thank you so much. Good to be on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So I, I got to know, like, I, I'm not a committed fan, but Dancing with the Stars, was that pretty fun? It was so fun. It was literally the craziest experience ever. Um, but man, we had a blast. It was hard. It was challenging. But all in all, like the most fun thing ever. I didn't know dancing could be so hard because it's kind of like, you know, when people say like cheerleading's not a sport and then the cheerleaders are like, oh, yes, it is. That's how it is for dancing. It's like it looks just like fun, but it's really hard. But we yeah, had a blast. We had a blast. that's good. Had you ever danced before? Like, no, those not dance- that- Oh, like when I was little, I did dance, like when I was like, what, okay, yeah. like kindergarten, um, and then quit, and so I had never danced before, that was a whole new experience, and it was quite the place to start, but it was really fun. Well, that's great, that's great. I am not a dancer, let's just be honest about it, like, <laughs> like the Lord did not give me rhythm at all, so um, we had, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Rebecca Lyons, you know Rebecca and Gabe oh, Lyons? one of my mentors, I love her. So we had her on and she was talking about rhythms and things like that. And like, it blessed me so much because I can't even clap on beat. And I was like, Rebecca, <laughs> you're saying I have rhythm. This is amazing. So new rhythms, new rhythms. I got no rhythm at all. No rhythm, except for what Rebecca taught me that day. So, but you kind of have grown up in the spotlight though, with the Duck Dynasty uh, TV show and, and all of that. Um, so what was that like? How were your teenage years growing up with that kind of notoriety? Yeah, you know, I will say, if I look back on it and I think about it, I would say it was crazy. But at the same time, during it, it didn't feel so crazy because it was just our life and it was my whole family doing it together. But yeah, I mean, our show started whenever we started filming when I was in eighth grade. And then our last episode film right before I graduated high school. So it was all throughout high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year was filming a TV show and a TV show exploding. And so it was crazy, you know, but at the same time, we lived in West Monroe, Louisiana. It almost felt like we were very sheltered there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we had like 30 film crew people in our house every day. And our house, like our lights were camera lights and like everything was filmed and after school or during school we'd film I remember like sophomore year I missed 75 days of school because of filming and oh wow so there was definitely a lot to keep up with and stuff like that um, and then by junior years when I was on Dance with the Stars and so that added a whole new element but played basketball all throughout and so tried to keep like some kind of normality in the sense of like in the like middle of crazy um, but I think my parents did a good job at making sure we were still grounded, making sure we still had things that made us a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old instead of like, oh, wow, you're on TV all of a sudden. Yeah. So I didn't know you played basketball. So now we got to talk basketball. Like, oh, yeah. So what position did you play? Were you like point guard or? I was point guard up until. Like that doesn't surprise me somehow. Like you just <laughs> need to run to show. 
<laughs> I love point guard. I, I really did. But then I ended up being a guard once um, the show started because I was gone so much. Yeah. So kind of transitioned. But, man, I love basketball. I was, like, not willing to give that up. Because before the show started, I really wanted to play college basketball. Like, that was, like, a dream of mine. I hadn't trained for that. Like, I've been yeah. – Man, man, that was my dream. And then, you know, obviously, by the time junior year hit, I started noticing God was taking me in a different direction. But I was not willing to quit. I was like, I still want to play for my team. So. That's all right. So is it go Tigers? Are you, are you an LSU girl? Well, you know, here's the thing. My family says go Tigers, and I have always said go Tigers. But now my husband goes to Auburn. So I have to oh, say my we're goodness. Eagle. I literally have to say we're Eagle. It's crazy. Well, uh, Lisa's not Lisa's not Alabama Auburn. That's a whole nother conversation, it right? Totally, yeah. It could be totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mentioned something that, that I find interesting. Uh, that whole journey of, of filming, you said your parents kind of help you stay grounded. And I imagine it being difficult as a teenager. We, I have, well, I've got now four in my house. One just moved out. Um, Rob just finished. He's got college age kids. So I have teenagers. So I understand the need for grounded. Who were those voices besides maybe your parents who helped kind of keep you grounded and gave you wisdom during that time? Yeah, so I think um, besides my parents, honestly, my siblings, like we were all going through at the same time. Like my brother and I got really, really close during that time. I remember like before Duck Dynasty, my brother and I were a classic like brother and sister who fought about everything. And then when the show started, I, I guess I've never really thought about it being the same time. But when the show started, we got really close because really? we realized like we needed each other. And like there's nobody else that like understands necessarily what we were going through in our hometown. Mm -hmm. um, so we got really so, close. And then, is that your twin uh, brother? You know, I surrounded myself with other mentors who started to pour into my yeah. life. Rebecca Lyons is one of them, actually. And different women who just kind of got it and would just like speak into my life and pray for me and be honest and real with me like I told yeah. everybody I was like I need you to be real like if y'all see me showing signs of crazy like lock me in a basement like make sure <laughs> I'm good before I like go out in the spotlight um because who you are off the stage or out of the spotlight is who you will be on stage in the spotlight and so yeah um just the people around me were really real with me about who I was and who I was becoming and what influence I was gonna make yeah, so those people like Rebecca and the other mentors you have, did they find you or did you reach out to them? Um, kind of both ways. A lot of them actually found my mom. You know, it's funny because yeah. my mom is like their age. And so they would be talking to my mom and encouraging my mom and where she was because at the same time, my mom was hitting the fame, you know, because our whole mm -hmm. family was on the show. And so my mom would kind of give me the advice that they would give her. And then eventually it just morphed into my mom giving me their number and us staying in contact. Like Shelly Giglio has been an amazing mentor to my mom and myself. And so women like that who just kind of saw it and reached out. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, in my family, my grandparents, my mom, my, my siblings, I think we all just kind of understood that we're going through something that's different and we need each other. And that right. was yeah. So I've, I've always been a big advocate of mentoring. I think that happened for me in college. There's a, a, he's now a professor here, Dr. Lamb, but I know him as William sort of found me as a young man who was not really off the rails, but, but needed some direction and said, Hey, I'm going to guide you. Um, and almost an instant heart connect with, with the man I call William, who's Dr. Lamb here on campus. But have you found that with like the Rebecca's and the Shelly Giglio's that, that it's not just sort of much a teaching relationship, but there's a, a real heart connect to you? 
definitely a heart connect. It's like when we meet, it's really cool because it's like, yes, they're pouring into me so much, but I feel like at the same time, they are, they always seem to be so encouraged where I'm at. And Rebecca told me one time, she's like, it's really cool whenever wisdom meets zeal. She's like, because oh, I'm into wisdom and you encourage me with your zeal. And I think that's the thing. It's like a heart connection of like a older generation and a younger generation coming together and encouraging each other with right where they're at and what they're both believing for. And mm -hmm. it's really powerful. Definitely a heart connection. And then there's like other people that you meet who will like come in for a season or will come in for a day who will, you'll yeah. have a great conversation or a great phone call or a great time with them. But then at the same time, like there's another person in the next and that's okay. You know, because everybody like, I feel like that's just like the body of Christ that like we can pour into each other. We can love each other, call each other, encourage each other. But that doesn't mean they have to be like your number one mentor, yeah. right? you know? Yeah. I think we get both those. I think you're right. I think there are people who, who journey with us for a long times. And I think there are people who God sends in moments yeah. um, to speak in that moment, the right word at the right time, which I think is so in incredible that God does that. I mean, I can't say how many times somebody has, has in a moment said something and I'm like, I don't even know how you know that, exactly, but yeah. they knew that they needed to say that at that moment yeah. and it transformed or changed the whole entire circumstance for me. Um, so as somebody who's sort of a voice for your generation, and I think that's sort of your heart bend. We, we saw, got to hear you preach a passion. You did a phenomenal job yeah. encouraging those in your, your peer group and age group, which is sort of a unique place. I mean, at Passion, we had everybody from, from you to John Piper and Rabbi Zacharias who are not in your age group, clearly, right, but still right. had something to say. What are you finding that you have to say to that peer group? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I think it, it's crazy to even be in a room with people like uh, John Piper and Ravi because I look up to them so much and like they're just full of wisdom. And so when Louie and Shelly asked me to speak of passion and I looked at everybody else, I was like, okay, um, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I remember like they asked me a year in advance. And so I got um, a year to like pray into this and like think about this and ask the Lord, like, what am I doing? And there were many nights where I was like, what do I even have to say? Is what I'm saying valuable? Is what I'm saying important? But I felt like God just continued to put on my heart that this is important and this is a message. And it doesn't matter if it's like perfectly said or it doesn't matter if it's like the biggest revelation ever. It's something that's relatable to your generation. It's being a sister and a friend to people who need a sister and a friend giving them truth and biblical truth and all those things. And it was really cool because by the time I got there, um, I just felt really confident that the Lord was going to speak through the words that he had given me. And right before um, we went to this like production meeting or whatever, that the morning yeah. of the day I was going to speak and I was so nervous and um, they were running through the show and they said, all right, um, Dr. John, uh, would you please give us a little synopsis of what you're going to say? And he was like, yes and he steps into this moment and I mean it was literally like the most perfect he was like and then I'm going to make this argument and then I'm going to object it and then I'm going to do this one and I was like oh my gosh that is really smart and then um they were all like wow that is amazing and then they're like all right Sadie can you give us um a little synopsis to what you're gonna say and I am like the worst at like shortening something I'm trying to say like I just never hit it in those moments and so I was like yeah 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 so I just, I said whatever I said. I said my little synopsis of what I was going to say. And my husband leans over to me and he says, did you change your title? 
And I said, no, I just forgot it. Like, I totally just forgot it. Awesome. It's really funny because John Piper leaned over to me and he said, in front of everybody, he said, hey, he said, you're right on track. And he said, what I'm saying is everything you're saying in a different way. And it really encouraged me because, you know, for somebody who's so much older and so much wiser to just be like, you're on track and what you're yeah. saying, what I'm saying in a younger way um, was really cool. And so that encouraged me a lot for passion. Yeah. We did a great job. We were, we were, Rob and I, and I hate that I'm speaking for Rob and he's not here, but we're uh, overwhelmed by how well you did. And not, not that we were like expecting less, but we were so encouraged that young voices in this generation are boldly proclaiming truth and doing it so eloquently, eloquently and such a good job. And not just that, but, but connecting your storytelling ability and the way you delivered that um, really connected to the audience. And so, in which, which, I loved about the message that you preach and, and what I love about what you're sharing in general is you are really taking this line on truth in a generation that is saying, Hey, truth is subjective. You're, you're sort of pushing on that line that, that there is absolute truth. This is the truth. Are you getting pushback on that? Or what's, what are you hearing from sort of that stance? You know, to be honest, um, I don't look too much into comments that I get. And so if yeah. I was getting pushback on that, I'm not sure. I probably am because I am very aware that we do live in a generation that thinks truth is relative and um, anything can be truth and all of those things. But, you know, one of the first Bible verses I remember learning is I am the way, the truth and the life. Like yeah. no one comes through the father except through me. And I take those words really seriously. And I also, I feel like we have an amazing Heavenly Father and heaven is real. And so for me, that truth for me is enough to tell everybody that that's the truth. That there is a Jesus who is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And if you want to get to the Father, you're going through him. And so I think for me, I just have a strong conviction of, of that truth. And I don't want yeah. to leave people by my own words. I don't want to lead people from my own ideas. I, I don't want to lead people from the truth of the word because I think it's amazing. You know, our relative truth that this generation is talking about is different every day, but there's this word that's been the same for over 2000 years. Like to me, that is just evidence that there's something there that's standing, you know, something yeah. that is, that's truth, truth stands. So I, I don't know that I'm getting pushback. It might be, but I'm, I feel very confident in, um, in that truth. Yeah. I think that's important to be confident. I think, I think actually the word encourages us to be confident in this to in the, in that truth. Um, so, so how have you, and I'm, this is really intrigued me because how did you come to this place of recognizing that, that your calling was to be sort of a, I don't know if you call yourself a preacher, but that's what you do, what you did um, at Passion, what you continue to do. When did you recognize that calling in your life? You know, that's crazy because um, not for longer than what people probably think. Um, you know, the show started, Days with the Stars happened, and I didn't know what I was going to do. It was senior year of high school, and I was like... I don't really know what just happened to my life. I'm clearly not about to play college basketball. I don't know <laughs> where I'm about to go next. Um, and so I thought about going to LA and I thought maybe I'll just do the whole acting thing because at the time opportunities like that were being presented after Dance with the Stars. But that's not really what I wanted to do. It just kind of felt like that was the only option. And at the time, like where life was heading, it's like, oh, you hit a reality TV show and you go on Dance with the Stars, you move to LA. Like that's just kind of like the yeah. thing and I didn't want to do that and so 
um, I remember praying in the summer before, just thinking, what am I going to do? And I I went to this summer camp and I was like, Lord, I need you to speak to me in this camp. Like, what am I going to do next? And um, this camp was very different than how I grew up. I grew up at a church uh, that didn't believe that women could speak in the church. And that wasn't Mm -hmm. the the church I grew up in. And so I never even thought about speaking in the church. That was not even something I had seen done. That was not even something I had considered. And then I walk into this camp and uh, a woman preacher gets up there. And her name's Alex Seeley. She's pastor of the Belonging Church. I ended up going to the church. Yeah, she's the best. Listen, we just talked to Alex two weeks ago. She is like... I love her. I love her. She's amazing. So yeah, Yeah. she was there. And the whole time she was talking, my mouth was like on the floor. And it was like everything she was saying was really impactful, but it was the way she was saying it that was getting me. It was like the confidence and the authority and the just belief that she had in every word that she was saying. And I thought about like where I was at in my life and I'm like, I have this platform to say anything and people listen and I want to say something that really matters and I want to do something that matters and I want to like, and I do believe in the Bible and I love Jesus. Why am I not saying that? Like, why am I not doing this? And I looked over at who I came with and I said, I'm going to do that. And they laughed because I was so shy at the time. I was like, no, like, I'm really going to do that. Like, that's what I want to do. And so for the first time ever, I responded to an altar call, went to the front, raised my hand, was like, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. This is all for you. Like I'm laying everything down and I'm walking with you. And that was the first day of my journal. I started to uh, draw out Live Original Tour. What would it look like if we brought the word on tour? And now we've been doing that for four years. And I've been preaching and I actually, the whole reason I started preaching is because Louie and Shelly asked me to preach at Passion at their church Mm -hmm. before I'd ever preached anywhere. And I remember I was like, "Um, are you sure? I don't don't (laughs) preach, (laughs) but I had been in that camp and I'd said yes to God. And in that response time, I said, here I am, no limits, distractions, send me. And so they asked me and I said, yeah, ended up preaching at their church. And the video ended up getting like over 50 million views all wow. over the world, which is how people started to think or know that I was a preacher, which is what started everything. So yeah. God really put me there before I even thought about it, honestly. Yeah. Well, it, we it's funny. We we had Alex on the show um, a couple weeks ago. We talked with her and we, we talked about this women in ministry piece um, and we asked her about it. And, and her response was interesting because she had two responses. One, she said, in Australia, it's very common for women to be preachers. Like that's, that's like the common thing is, is women to be in ministry. And then she pushed back on sort of our American understanding that like in a lot of churches, that's not acceptable. And she just, listen, you got to listen to the episode because she just went on and on about how God made us and God made women to have the opportunities and she blew us away. And we are huge fans of the belonging and, and the Sealies. Um, actually, they were here on campus last. So every spring we have something called Lee Day, which is like a big exposure event. Yeah. And the, the belonging came and did worship for us. And so Henry and Natalie and the whole group, um, great, incredible people. 
<laughs> incredible people. Um, so, I mean, I say all that to say we love Alex as well. Like, she's incredible. And so, if Alex prayed for you, you got the stamp of approval from us. Like, that's all we need to hear. Alex is amazing. She she mentored me, too, when I moved to Nashville. She would have coffee with me because I was confused. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I saw you preach, and then I said yes, and now it's happening. <laughs> and it was really cool because I had to tell her years later, after I had been preaching for a while, I guess like two years, I had coffee with her. And she didn't know me from Adam. She only like, I mean, she followed me on Instagram, but she didn't know I went to, she didn't know she was the reason why I started. To yeah. And so I had coffee with her and I was like, you know how you always say, cause I went to a church and she always says like, even if one person gets this. And I was like, I just want to encourage you that like, I was the one person that got it that one day and maybe a ton of people did and I pray that they did and I'm sure that they did. But like I responded yes to the things that you were saying and now like so many people have been impacted by that. And it was just a really cool reminder for both of us that like really we say we're doing it for the one but like are we are we really doing it for the one? Because that one yeah. really does matter and the impact that one might have could be so significant even if it is just like 10 other people is significant. And so we had like an amazing conversation and she she couldn't believe it. She was like, "Really? Like I didn't even know." Like it was it was really cool. Yeah. So, so I want, I want to talk a little bit about, about what you mentioned just a little bit ago. You had the opportunity to go to LA and which would comes with at a, a great price tag, I'm sure to go and act and make, make considerable money, make movies, TV shows, whatever the opportunities were. And, but you had this other thing, God drawing you and calling you to something that, that is less glamorous in a lot of regards. I mean, you have a platform, you're doing great things with it. How did you wrestle that tension out? So, so if you're speaking to a room of young adults and hopefully they're listening on this podcast and they're going, I've got this opportunity to go do something or I got this calling God's pulling me to that may cost me something and it does. How did you come to that reconciliation, that place of going, I'm going to follow God? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I think whenever the world offers you something that is actually seems to be a great offer as far as worldly things go. Um, but then at the same time you have this is not mysterious, but this unknown call to what you feel God's pulling you in that direction. Yeah. That I think everybody faces that like everybody faces like the world versus like the God calling, you know? And yeah. like, I was definitely at that, the height of that in that moment of like, was it LA? Was it acting? Because this is every direction that this whole thing has been going. This is where everything's been leading up to. This makes sense. I'm getting offers. Feels crazy. Mm -hmm. Doors were opening left and right, except for I didn't have peace. Like I did not have peace. And that's mm -hmm. really what it came down to. And this, I had no idea what that looked like or no idea what that meant, but I had peace. I wanted to go in that direction because here's the thing, like by the time that I got offered to go to LA and act and stuff like that, like I had already experienced what the world had to offer in the sense of like, I had been on Disney Stars, I had done some modeling, I'd done all that. Yeah. And like the way that it left me feeling was like, it was like nothing. It was like, I wasn't confident. Mm. I was I didn't really feel like much of it had an impact there was a high for a night but the next day you're back in your hometown and you're like what just happened I didn't feel like it was very fruitful very life-giving um it was at times exciting but it wasn't sustainable and then on the other hand anytime I walked with God I did feel confident I wasn't insecure I wasn't struggling with the way that I looked like I was very confident in who I was and I had peace and like to me I just started to realize like, I mean, what we all have to 
I guess, come to terms with is that like what the world has to offer pales in comparison to what Christ does for you and does within you and what you get to do like for him. Like there's so much purpose, so much life. And to me, like seeing being on Dance with the Stars, it's really fun and like people watch it and they're entertained. But being on a stage and preaching the gospel and watching people literally go from dead to alive, there is nothing like that. You cannot compare the two. This is much better. This is so much just a better way to do life. It's more exciting and it leads to hope instead of just a night of like, that was good, you know? And so I think for me, um, I had just kind of seen it at a young age and it was very heightened for a few years. And, you know, it's kind of like many celebrities say, they get to the top and they look around, they're like, now what? You know, because that's yeah. there's no depth there. Yeah, I've never been on Dancing with the Stars, but I have preached several sermons in my yeah. life, and I I can echo what you're saying that yeah. that I don't know a place in my life that that at the end of it I feel more alive and more complete and fulfilled in who I'm supposed to be. Like like that moment, the 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 sermon, the amen the closing prayer, the altar call, all those things. And I step off the stage and I go, that's what God wired me up to do. Like, and it's like, and I know not everybody listening in our entire audience is, is full of preachers. So just a couple of preachers here having like shop talk me and you, but you know, but that's, I think no matter what God's called you to, there's a, whatever. Yeah. It's the same emotion. It's the same emotion. Like, I mean, literally my friend who like paints jackets, I'm not kidding. She paints jackets and she makes old things come new. When she paints jackets and somebody wears jackets, it's the same life-giving feeling that she has that whenever I preach. And that my other friend, like she has a clothing store and like she clothes, like she just has clothes, but yet like she prays over that place. She has a prayer wall. When people come in around that prayer wall, she feels the same sense of alive and so it's whenever like you're operating the gift that god has for you like obviously the guy the god who made you is going to be the god who already breathed life in you and continues to breathe life in you whenever you're fulfilling the things he's purposed you to do and so like it's cool to watch all my friends experience that life-giving thing when they're walking in their calling and the thing is is that none of the like most most calls that you get from God, as far as like when he's calling you to go into something, it's not going to make sense. And it's not going to seem like the best option, but it is the most fulfilling option. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I've said this and it's something, you know, and, and I'm revealing my journals a little bit, but that I've worked through in myself that, that God is a father who gave the gift. So he takes joy in seeing us use it. So like, I, I think about that when, when I operate in the things God's given me and the gifts he's given me that as a dad, he goes, that's my kid. And I gave him that. And I'm super excited to see him use it. It's like, yeah. like, I'm sure you got great Christmas gifts and your parents are like, yes, she loves it. Like yeah. sometimes I think God's that way when he puts his gift in us and we use it and he goes, yes, they're using it. This I is so that. good. You know, I love that. That's so good. So I think he takes joy in what we do. And I, and I think, I think uh, we see that. And I think we feel, that's what we feel when we talk about the fulfillment is God, God smiling on us and going, yeah, that's what I've designed you to do or to be or how to live, whether it's preaching or, or, or painting jackets or designing clothes, no matter what the, the gifting is, if you're doing it in the, in the purposes of God, there's a fulfillment yeah. there. So yeah. Um, I, this is not, again, you, you didn't look at the questions, but you keep mentioning peace. Do you know your Enneagram? Yes, my Enneagram is a six. 
You're a six. You gotta guess yeah. nine. That's so, awesome. cause you kept saying peace. So you're a six. So well, that's actually a really compliment because a six goes to nine in health. That's, that's true. Healthy right now. I've got a six in my house, so I understand the six. So, so the six, we can talk Enneagram, and I hope nobody minds. But so mm. one of the, the things of the six is worst case scenarios. So oh, did yeah. you wrestle that out? Oh, yes. Trust me. My brand. Okay, so everybody, like, in my family, well, like, yeah, I'll say this. My family and my husband, like, they know I'm a six. Everybody else is yeah. always like, you've got to be a seven. Like, you're so enthusiastic. Do all these adventures. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know the 1,000 worst scenarios worst case scenarios I've thought of before I go on the adventure. It's like, I just, my brain works like that. I think of like everything and then I prepare for like the worst and then I'm like, all right, let's go, let's do it. Uh, and so, yes, I definitely did think about the worst case scenario coming to that. <laughs> but I will say, I will say this. It's like, I feel like God, you know, the whole Bible can really just answer any Enneagram problem you have. And it really does speak to a six. Like, I mean, everything is <laughs> like, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Like Peter walking on water. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of bad case scenarios. Keep walking. It's like all of these things. It's like nothing really went right most of the time, except yeah. for God was faithful and they came on alive. And so, or they did it and God's still faithful to his promises. Like Hebrews 11. Absolutely. It talks about how like nobody actually got what they were promised because God has something perfect for all of us that he's promised. And so for me, I like being a six and going through all that. I did navigate through all that. But at the end of the day, still if you read God's word, God's word stands, you know, so it's like still the best option. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a healthy place to be, and and only I noted that because you kept saying that that you had so much peace, and that's right for the Enneagram friends out there. A six moves to a nine, moves to a nine, which is the peacemaker. Um, so that that's a good indication of of emotional health. I'm a two, so like I walk in a room and I feel everybody's emotions, and I go, "How can I help you? Please let me help you." Like, and I didn't know that. What's funny is like we took the Enneagram probably um, like two probably two years ago. Rob introduced it to me. Um, and it was after I took the test and found out I was the helper that I realized how much I said the word help in my conversation. Like it was all the time. I was like, let me help you. Let me help you. And I was like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I say it all the time. That's so funny. So, no, I totally feel that. So I'm actually like, have you ever heard of a counterphobic six? There's some numbers that have like a counter number, but no. I'm a six that like, comes across like an eight sometimes but what's funny oh. a six that's kind of it challenges everything about the six so okay. whenever we read this and everybody's like that's so you we're laughing because i have a fearless tattoo i have a live fearless book i'm like jumping out of airplanes because i'm like challenging everything about what makes me a six. Oh, i get that I'm not afraid i will be fearless all those things well, that's interesting. I'll have to look into that counterphobic. I don't know. Cause I, I just like, I just want to help everybody. It's like the I podcast, like, how can I, how can I help whoever's listening? Call in now. We're going to help you. Like, call in now. Gonna, we didn't have a call in, but they could call in. I don't know if my cell phone rings, it's going to be awkward. So, um, so what, so I, I want to talk a little bit cause I know you're busy and, and you stay busy. How, and again, we talked about your friend, Rebecca Lyons and our friend, um, what is kind of what rhythms have you found to overcome the busy and be productive? Yeah, so good. Man, hmm, what rhythms have I found? Uh, well, Rebecca and I actually talked about this. We talked about the connect rhythm that she talks about. Um, and I think 
that is probably one of the things that really does keep me um, still in the midst of like a really busy schedule. I actually joked about this to somebody yesterday. They said, how did you and Christian do long distance relationship the whole time? Mm. And I said, well, I feel like every Buddy who's in relationship with me is long distance because I travel so much that even my best friends, even my parents, my family, I'm always on the go. So it feels rather long distance because there will be days apart. But at the same time, like that connection is super huge for me because being a six, the loyalist, I love my people. Yeah. I want to stick with my people. And so whenever I'm back home going, getting together with them, going to coffee, going to lunch, getting out, um, calling my family, facing my parents when I'm out, that constant connection is really grounding and really great for me in the midst of something crazy because um, my parents and I always talk about this and anybody who goes into reality TV, they'll come and ask advice and we say, here's the thing, your life is going to change a lot, but you don't have to change. Like, don't let, don't like make yourself believe that just because your life changes, you have to change. And so I kind of think yeah. about my busy schedule, even because even though I'm busy, you're not too busy for the people you love, even though your life is changing, you don't, you should never change. And so just constantly keeping up with the people, that's a big rhythm that I think for me yeah. um, is really good. And even my husband, now that I'm married, you know, we travel a lot, but then also like when we're back home, like being home and like cooking and doing the things that like we do to connect us to our home. Yeah. So, so as a, as a type six, and we're talking Instagram some more, uh, do you have like a very small set squad of people? Like, is it like a, not exclusive? I don't want to say exclusive, but, but yeah. usually six have like, they have four or five and that's their people and that's it. Like it's hard yeah, to make a difference. I have like my people, I will say this. Um, and my friends say this about me. So I'll use what they say. I'm a friend to everybody in the room, but like I have my friends, like I yeah. love people. I love friends. I love making new friends, but like, there are the people who like know everything about me who right. like I will call them. They know, they will call me, you know, we'll keep up with each other. Um, they know everything. And that, that also is a rhythm, letting yourself know who your people are that you can be real with and talk to and like be vulnerable with that aren't going to judge you, but be like, you know what? That's totally understandable, but here's truth, you know? And yeah. so I definitely have that squad for sure. Yeah. So you're newly married. Christian uh, is your husband. How have you guys sort of settled into a married rhythm with you traveling so much? Yeah, well, Marius has been awesome, but we've only been married for two months. And so everybody's like, how's Marius? So it's all new. Amazing. And they're like, yeah, two months. But <laughs> uh, it's fun to live with your best friend, especially when you were long distance. And so now we get to live together. It's awesome. Um, but traveling has been great because he travels with me. Uh, for the most part, we haven't had to travel separate yet. And it's been That's such good. a blast. Yeah, we've had so much fun. Christian, um, he didn't like travel when we first started dating so I was like hmm I guess this is gonna like be kind of hard but then all of a sudden he started loving travel I think just like because we were dating we started traveling having mm -hmm. fun together and so now he wants to travel more than me I'm like chill like we gotta have some <laughs> home time but um <laughs> we have a blast we joke because our first argument ever like when we were dating our very first argument was in an airport in one of those like magazine shops like the behind a magazine oh. and it was just because he was so stressed about travel and it was because they put him the worst traveler on standby and you know that's just for him oh you goodness know? no i wonder what talk about worst case scenarios um but now we have a blast and it's been really fun it's and good I think just actually, as far as the rhythm, I think just doing it together, you know, it's just been yeah. good. Even if we're not traveling together, doing it together, calling each other, telling each other about what happened, yeah. 
because that's how we did when we were dating when I was on tour. So, yeah. So how is, how is Christian sort of, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the right word to ask, but, but as you kind of taken on this role of ministry, what, what does Christian recognize as his role or his calling in supporting that or in ministry himself even? Yeah, it's great. Um, well, you know, it kind of all started when we started dating. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to date at the time because, because I was really taking seriously what God was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't want him to feel like he was tagged along to that. I wanted him to feel like um, he was with me in that, if he was going to be with me, or it just wasn't the time. And I just didn't feel like it was the time because we were long distance, and I couldn't really bring him into that yet. So I was like, maybe we'll just stay another time. Well, I remember calling him, and it was like going to break up with him. And I was like, um, you know, I really like you. I was like, that, that's the ironic thing about what I'm about to do. I really like you, but like, I was like, but I just like, I'm so busy right now, and God's just calling me into a lot. And I know that like you're supposed to be at school right now. Like, that's where you're at, and I don't want you to be like one foot in, one foot out. And I said, and I'm just gonna feel really bad as like I go and I'm doing all these things that like. I don't know. I, I just, I'm just gonna be really sorry that I wouldn't be able to be there for where you're at in life right now and dating. Yeah. I would like to be together in that. So I'm just, I'm just sorry. And he stops me and he was like, um, actually I, ha- I have to stop you. He was like, never apologize for what God's doing in your life. And he said, cause if it's a win for you and it's a win for the kingdom, then it's a win for me. And I actually quoted well, he's that. He's a good man then. He's a good man. I quoted that in our vows actually, because it was such a powerful moment. And I realized then like, okay, this is different. Like you really love Jesus with your whole heart. And so if there's a win in the kingdom, then it, you count that as a win. And that was just so gospel to me. Like that was like, so family, so unity, so what Jesus prayed at the end. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. And so we just started navigating through what that was going to be when we were dating. And while we, when we first started dating, he wanted to do construction. And I was like, great, like do construction, like go like be blessed, bless the people, build the houses, all this stuff. Like, I was like, great. But then after Passion last year, um, he was like, you know what, Sadie, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know what it is, but I feel like God's just kind of shifting my heart a little bit into something with ministry because I've been loving what you're doing and being with you in that. And so now what it's formed to be has been us doing a lot of things together. And Christian yeah. is uh, very introverted, but he is in business and school. And so he definitely has like that side of the brain that can help us with stuff that Team Live Original is wanting to do and going into doing. And he's That's been good. like a great voice to that. But then this past weekend, when we went on our college run, he actually got up and shared his testimony and really awesome. a ton of people. So he'll step in when he needs to and when he feels That's called good. To, but he definitely is very content to stand back there and be like, all right, God, what, what are you going to do tonight? And pray towards it well that's that's encouraging it's encouraging that he stands with you in that and and travels with you i think that's a critical component in ministry and marriage is that that it's not a you and an i but it's a we that we're doing this yeah yep no that's so i think and and you got some great you got some great models in that in in uh in the sealies and in the lions and then uh louie and shelly i mean they those those are couples you look at who are you would never exclude one from the ministry they're all doing it together um, right. so i think that's a those are great models for for marriage and ministry for you and for christians so 
Um, you got a new book coming out. Let's talk about the book because that's really why you're on here. I mean, we're having a great conversation, but the book comes out or by the time this episode airs, the book should be out. So buy it wherever you can buy it. But tell us what, what inspired this new book. Yeah. So this book, it's really crazy um, because I actually started writing a book called Live United totally different book, all about unity. It was about um, coming together, stopping comparison, all the different things. Um, and in the midst of writing this book, I just uh, felt called to change it, to live. And I wanted to talk about life and death. I wanted to talk about the importance of life, the value of life, why we have life, what happens after life, all the different things. Um, how to live your life, actually thinking about the next life, those kind of things. But I also wanted it to be light and I wanted it to be fun. So these are like two, this is like kind of contradicting because it's life and yeah. death, it's light and fun. Um, and the reason I wanted to do that is because I think like life and death is such an intimidating topic for people to talk about because like death, scares you and life is like life and it's different for everybody but at the same time I felt like we have to talk about it because death happens to everybody and life has happened to you if you're able to hear this conversation and so um I just felt to shift so I shifted and in the midst of writing this book uh, one of my friends actually committed suicide and it was really hard and it was really confusing and it was uh really sad I remember I just like I remember like where I was when I found out, dropped everything and just couldn't stop crying. And yeah. that's when I started to realize just how many people commit suicide. I started to read into it and all this stuff. And I felt like, okay, God, like this is why you had me shift it. And the book, I don't, I'm not going to say it is the perfect book if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is more resources that you can, you should get and there are people you should go talk to. But I do think it is an encouraging book that breathes life over you and gives you another option than to just be over. I think it kind of says you might feel like this. You might be like this. You might have been told you were like this, but this is what the Lord says over you. And there's so yeah. much scripture and there's so much life and talk about being a sister and a friend that's just kind of what I felt to do I don't know all the words to say it intimidated me to write a book like that because I was right. like I'm not a professional but at the same time I was like but I'm a good friend and this is what I would say to my friend and so I'm gonna write this book and we put pictures in the book we we made it just so vibrant that when you get it mm -hmm. you feel like you're loved and so I'm so excited it, it's crazy so many little details during the writing process of this book just made it so clear that this is what we were supposed to do but it was the most challenging book to write live original flowed out it was like this is everything I want to say to anybody live fearless was like this is everything I've gone through and here it is this is what the Lord taught me and live was like okay I'm just trying to be a good friend and tell you that your life matters <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up, right? I mean, yeah. so, so this book, what was really the, and you talked a little bit about it, but what made it most challenging? Did you just feel like maybe unqualified to speak to it? Or was it just such a, a challenging subject that, that sometimes I think the difficult subjects, we have to wade through some of the tough water to get the words out. I know, I, I mean, I like to write and blog and those type of things. And I think there's some ones that, that are like on the tip of the tongue and they just flow out. And then yeah. there's other ones that are sort of marinating and God's dealing with you in. And you're like, I don't know, Lord, about this one. Was it more yeah. that the case or? Yeah, it was more, it was more that it was like, God, I know that you want me to speak to this topic, 
I don't know the words to say. I don't know mm-hmm. the right. And, and there's weight to this because this is people's life. Like, yeah. and so I think it was just so weighty. And I think I just started realizing who all is going to read this book. Like the reality is people are going to read the book who have written letters, um, who have written suicidal letters. There are people who are going to read this book who are sick, who are, there are people mm-hmm. who are going to read this letters who are in the hospital. There are people who are going to read these letters whose parents just got divorced. There are people who are going to read this letter who is like and having the worst year of their life and there's also going to be people who read this letter who read this book they're having the best year of their life and people right. who are like actually thriving or actually just don't know what their purpose is and so I'm like how yeah. do you speak to life when they're in all these different places and the value of it and also that like even though it might feel like this this is the path of life that Jesus has you on. And you can be in this, but still feel the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, all of these different things. So navigating through how to get people, whether whatever place they're in to truth was hard in a fun, light way, because I wanted yeah. it to be easy read. I always want my books to be an easy read. I don't care if somebody picks it up and is like, this is like the easiest read. Um, sixth grader can read it. I'm like, great. I want them to, because for me, like, it's hard for me to read. I actually have dyslexia. And so growing up, it was really challenging to read. And so I always wanted my books to be easy for people to read. Yeah. I put pictures in it. So I, they're simple concepts. And so for me, I wanted to take a super deep topic and make it easy for anybody to read. But also at the end of the day, after they read it, genuinely feel like their life mattered. And I do think we did that. I think the book, it was a longer process than it was supposed to be. It was changed. Like I said, we, we started writing Live United like two and a half years ago and it somehow changed into Live and took forever. But like, praise God, because by the end of it, when I got that book in the mail the other day for the first time, I literally, me and Christian both like ran laps around our kitchen table. We were like, <laughs> so excited how it turned out so that's good um, be powerful it's good and we're excited for it we're excited for the release and we know it's going to impact a lot of lives and so we're just we're just so excited to have you on the show and and thank you for so much for taking time with us we have one one question now you didn't go to college right no i didn't okay so so typically and i'm I'm have to edit the question a little bit typically we ask this one question to every one of our guests so i'm going to spin it a little bit um, we usually ask the question, what have you learned in college that didn't take in the, pl- the classroom? So we'll, we'll use your life as a reality star then. What did you learn outside of school as, as a star in the starring role in TV, dancing with the stars, or just anywhere outside the, the school space? What's the greatest lesson you've learned outside of a classroom? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love it. Me and my friend were talking about this last night because all my friends go to Auburn. So of course, like we the were Eagle, right? <laughs> I know, War Eagle. But um, it's crazy because I was telling them, I was asking them what they've learned. And like now that they're out and their different jobs that they learned in college or things that surprise them. So this is so funny that you asked me that. I think for me, you know, I actually tell this to everybody, um, is that so many people are like so afraid of doing something great because they're scared they're going to get criticized. And what I've learned is you are going to get criticized and it's not that bad and it's okay and you will survive. And it doesn't even matter what they say because they don't even know you. And so for me, I know it's a simple thing, but I really do think that that is the thing that stops so many people from doing this amazing thing God caused them to. They're like, well, what if somebody says something bad about me or what if somebody criticizes me or what if somebody misunderstands me? And I'm like, they will criticize you. 
they will misunderstand you. They will say something bad about you. They say it to my face all the time on my Instagram or on my YouTube and all those different things. And one of the main comments that I get that's negative is like, that my voice is annoying. And the thing is, if I would let that one comment get to me, then I wouldn't do the one thing God has really called me and elevated me to. So I always tell people that because, you know, you you fear that and then it happens and you're like, I survived it. It's okay. (laughs) You know? And I really do want people my age to get that because especially when they're in college, when they're about to go out and do these things and step into the job and step into the role to not like hold back all that you are and all that God has for you just because you're scared of what people are going to say, because at the end of the day, it just really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so let me ask this, and that, this typically, that, it's usually our final question, but I got a follow-up question to it. Cause you said you talked about this with your friends who are either in college or finishing college. Um, and, and sometimes that road um, is like, what am I going to do next? That's yeah. where the fear comes in. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe with the journey God's put you on at a young age of being in the spotlight, writing some books, now getting on some platforms to speak for him helps you say even more so to those friends, Hey, you can push back on fear and do great things for God. Oh, 100%. 100%. My live verse is Hebrews 10, 35. It says, so then do not forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you can do the will of God. It's my life verse because confident trust is like the key word there. Confident trust in the Lord for it will be richly rewarded. You're going to have to be patient. And you're going to have to endure some things to do his will for your life. But it helps me because I think about that so many times. Each time I stepped into the place of the unknown, which was several different times, God mm-hmm. blew me away. It was so richly rewarded. And that confidence begins to add because you begin to trust him more and more and more. You persevere through those things that feel weird, that feel awkward, that are hard, that are confusing, that are unknown. And then you get to the starting to like follow the will of um, that he has for you. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. So definitely talk that to people my age and I'm confident in that because I'm like, look what God has done. Yeah. And when you come from a place of trust and you can only have trust from relationship and only built upon different parts of your relationship. I'm like, Oh, walk into it. I don't care how, like when people tell me, they're like, I don't know. I'm at a crossroads. I feel like God's calling me here. And they're all worried. I'm like smiling. They're like, why are you smiling? I'm like, cause that's the best place to be. Cause God is about to blow your mind. Yeah. Let's end right there. I think that's a great statement. The crossroads is the best place to be. So, uh, Sadie, how can we stay connected to you? Oh, you can stay connected to me in many ways right now. Instagram. (laughs) I'm legit Sadie Raw. I got YouTube. I got all kinds of things, but, um, also I'm on the road. Catch me when I'm in your town. (laughs) Catch me in town. So we we're excited about the book is live. It should be out now. Pick it up on Amazon or wherever you can buy books, right? Anywhere. It's going to be out everywhere, right? Anywhere you can buy books. Yep. Awesome. So we are so thankful for Sadie, for you coming on the show. And as we like to say at the Collectives Co podcast, you have a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Good to meet you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectives Co podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review and share this on social media? so this content can reach other great leaders.